welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I have a challenge for everyone. I'm not up for challenges this, today. This is Brad. Okay, I'm starting with this challenge for two different reasons. One, Brad has uh, doubled his amount of complaints about being tired and you know telling me all about his schedule for today um to the point where i'm like oh he's actually legitimately exhausted this man may pass out uh and two i'm uh taking this license to pander and advertise to you guys um because i'm shameless uh so i'm sure you've seen us blast everywhere the fact that we are uh making a bigger expansion to video content this year um that investment started out with uh we just got a brand new camera hello youtube uh, and it is uh, higher quality than what you had before. Uh, we haven't updated the studio situation yet, but that's coming down the pipeline. New camera. We're going to be posting every single episode. We're going to be doing clips. We're going to be doing different series. We talked about doing an NHL 20 series, maybe with fans, with other uh, people around the Red Wings or hockey world. Um, and that means we want you guys to all be exposed to it. So we are currently at about like 640 subscribers on YouTube. I want to get to 1,000 before the home opener that's like asking for like 360 people in um just over a month which is kind of nuts because it's taken us however many years to get to this point but we haven't really done youtube so i challenge everybody who's listening to this episode ask yourself two questions one do you uh, have any interest in watching us on youtube or two do you have any interest in just supporting us youtube.com slash winged wheel podcast go hit subscribe I want to see if we can hit 1K before puck drop. That's it. Pause it or keep listening. Just do it very quickly. If you're driving, pull over to the side of the road. Forget it. Don't drive and subscribe to YouTube, but definitely stop and pretend that you are uh, you have a flat and stop on the highway to do it. I wonder if this 4K camera can pick up the bags under my eyes. <laughs> uh, we're not actually recording in 4K right now. We're doing 1080 right now. Same, same question applies. No, no. But once we do 4K, they'll be able to see into your pores. That's good. No, they won't. They're too clogged. <laughs> well, they'll be able to see that. Uh, all right. That's my spiel. We're going to be saying that a little bit a lot in the coming days, weeks, months. But that's what uh, that's part of ramping up. Uh, welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm tired. Yeah, Brad. Yeah, we knew that one was coming. Brad Crisco is um, on the fringe, on the verge of death. Evan, very well, maybe. So we all, uh, he does normal. He's at the cottage, right? And it's yeah. a long weekend. Alcohol poisoning is very much in the cards for him this weekend. What was his What was his actual phrasing? He'll be dockside? Dockside. That sounds like some th- somebody sounds who like definitely s- wears polo shirts and... His board bo- shorts go well past his knees. No, these are not bo- board shorts. These are khaki shorts that he can't get wet. And he's definitely <laughs> wearing boat shoes. Uh, he has a clean shave just to stand, on the, stand at the water. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's... Uh, Dockside doesn't even make sense, but regardless, we know he's exactly where he was. Does that mean he fell in? I don't know. Like he's in the water next to the dock? Yeah. Evan, you're experienced, stupid idiot. Evan will be back eventually. Is he port of the dock or starboard? Uh, Which one's left and which one's right? Port is left? I don't know. Um, We have an interview. 50-50, Ryan. (laughs) Just go for it. This is a rocky start, but uh, it's a rocky end of the offseason. 
it's appropriate. We have an interview uh, with Max Boltman today. So uh, as we ramp up for the season, um, we brought Max back to uh, chat a little bit about uh, the changes that we talked about with the Red Wings staff from before, as well as what to look forward to in the prospect tournament and training camp. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some changes in the CBA and then just uh, whatever else comes up, maybe a hefty overtime. And then Brad, you have an anniversary dinner tonight? Yes, that is my fourth event of the day. And your fourth anniversary dinner. Yes, I had a... Ah, hey. Look I'm, at that. I've known you guys for all four years of your marriage. This is true. We, I knew you... We met, what, the April before you got married? Yeah, it was just... Uh, no, it was... No, no, we met in February. February, so it would have been seven months before the wedding. So for all of you listeners who have been listening to us from the beginning... Uh, you've been listening for the entire duration of Brad and Crystal's marriage and a baby and but, a second one on the way. But relative to the total length of the relationship, it's a drop in the bucket because uh, I was joking with Ryan. Um, Crystal and I took Mika to the Kitchener Rangers Summer Showcase Tournament at The Odd this weekend. So we caught three games for 10 bucks. Thank you, Kitchener Rangers. Uh, please sponsor us. Um, and they <laughs> hand out a little leaflet when you walk in with the rosters for all the teams that are participating and um, it shows the year of birth for the players on each roster to which I read it and went oh no and Crystal's like what and I'm like are you ready to feel old and she's like what and I'm like there's players playing in this game who were born the year we started dating oh no that's so bad (laughs) that was now, I was everybody ready to think soften ba- that, but that's so bad. There are probably legitimately people listening to this podcast right now who were not born in 2003. Yeah. Who've ah, been born later than you. T- yeah. If you're 15 years old listening to this podcast, oh, buddy, don't tell me because that's just not anything I need on my if plate you, right now. If you are under 16 year old, years old, I need you to tweet at Brad to tell him exactly how old he is. I need you to do it. Uh, by the way, for the people who want to come to the meetup, someone reached out to me and said, um, just wanted details about the meetup. Uh, if you go to wingwheelpodcast.com and go to the blog section, there's a post there with all the details um, on October 6th at Founders Tap Room Detroit. Um, it's not, it's all ages. Uh, we've had people come and, uh, you know, 9, 10, 12, 13, 14 years old. Uh, if you're a younger fan of the podcast and you want to come with your parents, your friends, whatever, uh, it's just a normal bar restaurant. So if you come with your uh, your family, you can definitely uh, come in. No problem. Uh, we'd love to say hi and meet you and everything. So, yeah, if you want to bring your kids, bring your kids. Is Mika going to be there? No, you're, she's going to be with your family. She's going to be in Windsor, yeah. yeah. It'll, uh, it'll just be Crystal and I. Yeah. And Ryan and Mel. And Evan and Kat, surprisingly. Again, I still feel like that's not going to happen. Evan or Kat or both. Okay, I think there's a reality where Cat comes and Evan doesn't. Yes, I was gonna say <laughs> likelihood of people. If if something goes wrong, the most likely scenario is neither of them come. But then the next most likely scenario is Cat comes and Evan doesn't. <laughs> His truck break. Did we ever talk about on the podcast how our last meetup Evan's truck broke down on oh the way my up? God made me loop around because I was the closest to him. I drove half an hour backwards on the 401 just for him to call and say, actually, never mind. I've got a ride because his parents were going to beat us there. And then me and Crystal had to turn around and go back. So we wasted an hour driving just to not pick him up. And the funny thing is, I usually, whenever I have to go down to Windsor, Detroit, I always, always, always leave late. I don't know what it is. I'm just so slow leaving the house. This is the first time I was on the road early. Evan called. He's like, where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm like, Chatham. It was like, oh, I was in London and he was in Woodstock. That's still he wasn't, far. He wasn't even in Woodstock yet. I don't. I think that's still far. 
Oh, yeah. It was a half an hour back. Uh, all right. We're going to jump to our interview with uh, my uh, – it was me. Brad was presumably in a coma. Uh, my interview with Max Boltman. Um, we'll talk a little bit about what we mentioned before, and then we will come back to uh, talk about the rest of the hockey world. Enjoy. All right, folks. It's time. You know hockey season's coming back when we bring back uh, our most regular, our most esteemed guest, Max Boltman. Welcome back from the off season. Thank you. It's the first time I've ever been called esteemed. Really? We haven't called you esteemed before? I don't think anyone's ever called me esteemed. Oh, we're bad friends then. Sorry, man. Uh, yeah, we were chatting pre-show and it, it finally feels like uh, this is like serious, actual, genuine hockey season coming back now. Like we have substantial, real things to be talking about. So the long, oh. yeah, the long grind of the offseason is just winding down now. Yeah, no, and it's 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 a uh, it's a little bit of a relief. Like I think August was a was a nice like long breath where virtually nothing happened. No offense to Adam Ernie, that that did happen, uh, and some front office announcements. I suppose that we'll probably get into in a minute. But realistically, all that had, had, had probably happened in July. So it was it was uh, nice to have a nice long pause, and now I'm very much ready to dive back in and and going to Traverse City in four days. Yeah, the so I think that was actually the big the the one moment where I said, "Oh yeah, now we should start gearing up." Is when you dropped like what was it, three articles, four articles in like what two weeks or something like that, starting yeah. with the Adam <laughs> Ernie thing, and then like a 2019-2020 preview and a Svechnikov piece, and then finally all the announcements about the the Red Wings upper management and scouting department. So, thank you for being the litmus test. Um, We'll start out with the the long running story that kind of took a while to unwind with piecework news coming out here and there. Uh, the changes in the Red Wings scouting department. So that kind of, I guess, was made official all at once. But they really just kind of updated the website. Right, and like you know, like I I had a feeling that there was going to be some kind of. I mean, I saw Rizmirski, who's one of the chief scouts, sitting with all the brass, and uh, well, I guess the brass. You know, it could mean two different things. He was sitting with a lot of the scouting faces, uh, and you know, with the Red Wings group at uh, at Plymouth for the World Junior Summer Showcase. And so I figured at that point, all right, they're making public appearances. Like they gotta they gotta announce this sooner or later. But not a whole lot of you know flow of information uh, on that front, and then all at once. So it was uh, quite the afternoon. I was on a, a boat in Nashville when <laughs> when that came down. <laughs> And, uh, and and a lot of news there, like meaty stuff, like you know Draper as as uh, you know director of amateur scouting was expected, but a couple of things that I would like to dig into a little bit more uh, in, in articles in the coming days. Uh, Mike Barwis as director of you know strength and performance, and and LJ Scarpace coming from Carolina um, as a video coordinator, moving Adam Nightingale up into an assistant coach role. That's going to be. Those are you know significant changes to to the to the staff part, but which isn't what I wrote about. That was more the the scouting group. But I'm, I'm curious to see what what those moves, those three in particular, uh, mean for the team. So I got a few questions over the course of the week after that article from people who are wondering um, not only about what you mentioned, but maybe uh, more so what you didn't talk about, which was um, what about the people who stayed. So there's this this thought of uh, Eisenman instilling. You know his brain trust, his kind of staff and structure, and moving people around as he sees fit, dependent on you know his vision for the Red Wings. Uh, is there anything substantial in the background there as to people who got a vote of confidence who stayed, or uh, is there maybe a little bit less 
dramatic movement than people would anticipate in uh, a changeover from Holland to Iserman? I think it was a pretty dramatic changeover. I mean, I don't know, uh, I don't know like which names in, in particular people people were asking about, but I think you're, you're looking at, you know, basically half of the amateur scouting department switched over. I mean, uh, I guess by press of elimination, it's the other half. But um, no, I mean, continuity is good. I think you know, in, institutional uh, knowledge wise, you want some some people like that, but also. When Eiserman came in, he said, you know, there's a lot of smart people here, a lot of good people that they wanted to keep. Um, and basically you, you have to infer that these are who those people were. You know, he, he – he, the comment that he made right leading up to the draft was he didn't want to change just to change. And I think when, when you – when you ask why someone didn't overhaul something, you know, well, why would you overhaul everything if, if you only need to change a few things? Um, that, you know, that'd be my semi-educated uh, answer. But but I also don't have the the, the map on Iserman's uh, plan here. And if you're in possession of it, please forward it to uh, to the athletic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, that, that, that'd be my answer to that. Uh, the one I think, like you said, it, there, it was really meaty and there was a lot of dramatic changes. But the one I think that uh, kind of stuck out to me was uh, Mike Barwis being, um, you know, hired on in a pretty senior role as, as the director. Was it director of human performance or something to that effect? Yeah, it's uh, director of sports science and human performance. That's yeah. right. And so the, he's pretty well profiled. He's well known, especially within the college football and uh, the collegiate sports community. Um, obviously, he does incredible things with uh, athletic training. And so this, at least externally, represents a huge shift in focus from Eisenman and company to uh, focusing on that kind of performance and recovery aspect. Uh, there were some talks of this being like a pretty dramatic change in terms of what was internal. Uh, it, does this like does that hold true? Do you do you see anything of like Eisenman coming in assessing um, maybe the lack of what Mike Barr was to bring and say no, we need to ramp this up to a hundred right now. This is part of the program that's been suffering. Um, well, I I've never had a particularly in depth understanding of the the in house like strength program like what what they do maybe at LCA at the gym. What I can say is though like a lot of this team already trains with Mike Barwis and has already trained with Mike Barwis. So you know, like Barwis has a, has a, has a gym in Plymouth. He's got a few gyms all over the place, but you know, I did a story with Dennis Chalowski last summer. He was training there. I know Dylan Larkin has spent some time training there. I believe Anthony Mantha has, um, and, and you know, Philip Sedina, I believe this summer, um, basically whenever they have guys that are local in the summer and you hear someone's staying local to train, it's like a, reasonably good assumption that they're doing it at bar west so so basically i think you will see some level of familiarity i think with with bar west just because off the top of my head i can think of at least four or five guys who have already trained with him there um and and we'll see what it looks like over a full season i mean he this isn't going to be a new thing for him he was a he was a, a strength and conditioning director for west virginia football and michigan football um you know obviously since the last almost probably decade or so it he hasn't been in that capacity, but it, it's going to be fascinating to see what it does look like, how it changes maybe in-season um, fitness stuff because th- those things that we've referenced are more out of season and off-season. Um, but clearly, it's it's something that they've they have to have been happy with some of the progress that they've seen in those guys in the summer, and then that has to be a direct line to, to getting a job like this. 
So that's a lot of uh, actually interesting from information because I don't think a lot of people were aware of how integrated Mike Barwis was with the team to start. So thanks for shedding light on that. Well, I don't know if it's like him specifically as so much as it's like it's a high level gym in Plymouth, you know, like, yeah. like so, you know, when I went there, when I did that day in the life with Dennis Cholosky last summer, that was where we went. I, I talked to Dylan Larkin about it pretty recently. Mantha's mentioned something about it offhand. And I, I think Svechnikov uh, living with, uh, with Larkin this summer has, has been a couple of times. So I guess I shouldn't say that they're training like as Mike's, you know, personal clients, but, but that bar was methods is the name of the gym. Like that's, that's where Chalosky took me and I've, I've heard other players mention it in the past. So I'm not going to say they go there all every day, all the time, but, but there's, there's ties there. Right. Uh, I'm going to move us along to, uh, preparations. Well, I guess what's happening in Traverse city with the prospect tournament, and then training camp soon after, um, the prospects tournament is exciting primarily because uh, New York's going to come and just bring the entire circuits with them. Uh, and see, Toronto. Yeah, it's good. those are pretty stacked rosters. Uh, but for Red Wings fans, what are some things that we should be looking out for uh, with that tournament? Yeah, I mean, the first first and foremost, very top of the list, you're looking at Philip Sedina and, and the differences that you notice in his game from last year to this year. Last year's prospect tournament, I don't know if you can remember all the way to back then, but that is when people started to kind of wonder – if there might be a little bit longer adjustment period to the pro game than thought at draft time. Um, he took a big hit in the prospect tournament, had to leave the ice and came back out. Still looked, you know, he's a really skilled, talented player. He looked good, but he didn't maybe physically look as, um, you know, ready to step right in. And I think you're looking to see, can he dominate that tournament? Can he be more explosive? Um, it, and, and, and kind of how that has shifted over the course of a year, you're going to be looking at how he plays with Joe Valeno, who's going to be a, another, you know, top line guy to watch there. Um, because he's going to certainly try to make a run at the roster. I, I'm kind of doubtful that that is something the Red Wings, um, you know, ha- maybe will, uh, will make easy for him. I think, Certainly, he's going to have to take somebody's job in order to do that after they went out and got uh, Philpola this this off season. But you know, crazier things have happened, and uh, and then you've got the obvious. I, I I don't. I would guess Michael. They haven't released the roster. I would guess Michael Rasmussen won't be on it after playing the whole year in the NHL. Moritz Sider, on the other hand, almost certainly will, and uh, he's going to be one to watch. I mean, they're 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 going to try to figure out where to put him at this point. Um, where he's at i don't i don't know if maybe his performance level uh i don't know what the impact of that's going to be as opposed to just looking at the roster math and figuring figuring out where the where the makes the most sense to get on the most ice time but um yeah cider another one I, I would say those would be the top three guys i'll be watching at that tournament um and and obvious for obvious reasons they're the three first round picks in the last two years what would you say is more likely uh valeno blows up and has a huge uh, tournament and uh, training camp and makes a team or cider blows up and has a huge prospect tournament training camp and uh, makes the Griffins. Mm. With the qualifier that neither are very likely for listeners before we run. Yeah. Like, like I don't think ciders like needs to prove he could play in the AHL. I think he could, um, but I would, I would guess he would go back to Mannheim just because that seems like the place you could get him the best situations, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't think either – like you said, I don't think either are really likely. I guess I would say Valeno. 
Um, but it, but it's not because I don't think Cider is going to like need to is like not going to be like capable of playing in Grand Rapids. It's just that I don't I don't expect that to be the outcome. Right. Um, and that's not necessarily based on any insight either. That's just kind of a, a gut feel. You know, I think you guys have even talked about this, right? Like the layout of the Grand Rapids defense is just doesn't look like the kind of thing where. You know, this is a guy you want to get a lot of minutes to, and you can't force minutes that they're not. Um, you know, like you can't just give him the minutes. You can't put him on the pedestal. So, I I do think he's capable of playing in Grand Rapids. I just would expect that in order to get the kind of minutes he should get, he should probably do them in Mannheim. I don't, but so I, I guess I'm saying Valeno, but I also think that's like a ten percent chance. You know? Yeah. So I really just kind of tied your hands on that question. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> No, and you you touched on it. I think with everything that Eisman and Draper have said about Mannheim's program and the fact that, yeah, I believe Brad was the one who broke that down, broke down that whole table. It's not like the the space exists on the Grand Rapids roster just because it doesn't on the Red Wings roster. It's just as difficult to fit him in there. Mannheim runs a good program. We know the DEL is good competition. Um, yeah, I'd probably say it's very likely that he goes back right now, but it doesn't make him make it any less exciting to watch him uh, moving forward. The- no, and, and I think you you think about like the what we've kind of all as we've all had to play catch up on this guy over the last few months, seen as like well maybe he had a little bit more jump into the offense and a little more puck skill to his game than than we saw, and and one of the natural questions that accompanies that is well was he really in a position on that team last year to, to display it, maybe by going back this year, he, you know, as, as now a, a drafted player, as he's not a 17 year old anymore, mm-hmm. uh, he can show that in that league, uh, in a more prominent role, in a role that maybe lets him play a little bit of power play, um, all that stuff that, that I think naturally, um, I, I just, I, I think naturally that it's a little easier to do going back to that league than, than it would be coming up to Grand Rapids and taking, let's say, potentially Dennis Chalosky or Oliver Koski's power play time. Like, I, I don't know that that would be the right the right decision, you know? Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, the way that the roster is going to shake out, there's a lot of uh, different questions in that article you put out, but I think it was like one question for every Red Wings player moving into the season. Um, and I think the biggest and most prominent one right now is uh, Evgeny Svechnikov and where he's going to slot in on this team. So it's not even a question of, you know, how well is he going to do as a Red Wing this year? It's, is he really going to be a Red Wing this year, depending on how training camp goes? Um, he's obviously had a big off season in terms of, you know, getting healthy, recovering training. He's living with Larkin. So very obviously he's well integrated with the team. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what his path, uh, hopefully to the Red Wings looks like. Yeah. So his path, uh, it starts with hitting training camp absolutely running like if i'm if i'm a coach watching svechnikov the first things i'm looking at is is can he do all these things at top speed now maybe maybe you're going to be a little forgiving if days one and two he's just a little bit rusty or just a little bit um contact shy but but certainly like by the time i'm leaving traverse city if i'm a coach i want to see that he looks fearless like he he looks like the injury is not on his mind and that is a ton to ask it it, it, maybe it's even a little bit unreasonable but that's what you're looking for if you're going to talk about starting guy in the nhl this year you don't want to be doing it when you think he's maybe showing any kind of hesitation so yeah I, i think those that's the the bottom line the baseline thing and then number two like you know what's he able to 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 realistically what styles of play is he excelling at i i don't think that the 
I think the role that is going to be won by a prospect is a middle six role. Like, yes, I guess in theory, sometimes you play guys on the fourth line and, and certainly the Red Wings have done that um, with, with some good players. But I think you're probably looking at like a third line type role for, for whichever prospect makes this team on the wing, whether it is Zadina, whether it is Svechnikov, whether it is Taro Hirose. Like, you're not going to be on that top line with, with Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi. And the bottom line is kind of suited for for you know a defensive forward type player. And I'm not saying that the bottom line is going to be Helm, Glendening, Abdulkader, as is often projected. It's certainly possible Helm or Abdulkader is the one on that third line. But but either way, I, I would expect that player to need to play with with some offense for sure, but defensively responsible. Like it, I don't think you're going to make this team by being an offense only player as as a young guy. So. He's got to have to do that. I don't think that's a weakness for him necessarily, but it, but it, it is one of those things that's going to demand some physicality. And uh, and I think if, if he does those things, he's got a shot. But I'm, at this point, I don't think I've predicted him on the roster yet, and I, I'm not going to do that until I see what he looks like in, in Traverse City and probably a couple preseason games in because – it's just it's a hard thing to project a guy coming off an ACL to jump right back in it, you know. Yeah, exactly. And he hasn't seen a, a professional game in how many months would it be? It would be over twelve, well over twelve months at this point. Right. Um, so one conversation that keeps coming up, and I think uh, fans are a little guilty of making this a little bit black and white, is how are all these players going to fit in? Yeah. Uh, I know we talked about this a little bit when the Adam Ernie deal came about. I'm not sure if you actually came on the show or we were just texting, but it's that uh, it's that school of thought of this is a good player. We have an opportunity to grab him and we'll figure it out later. Or, you know, we're going to grab this guy and we have a specific plan on how to fit him in, whether it's, you know, we're going to waive someone or we're, we always have an average of like 1.3 injuries at any given moment on the team. Um, do you think Eisenman, where do you think Eisenman's kind of game plan lays? I know he's explicitly almost said it one way. Um, and do you see it as, as big of an issue uh, heading into the season as maybe uh, the the hubbub around it and the chat around it has made it out to be? Yeah, I mean, the the, the point that you're alluding to is Eisenman said when they signed uh, Philpott that he would not be opposed to, to adding another winger and that it would not necessarily block the way for a prospect. They wouldn't trade it for Adam Ernie. People immediately said this is going to block the way for a prospect. I'm not saying you have to take Eisenman at face value. You never have to do that with anybody. And uh, GMs do change their minds or just kind of tell not entirely uh, transparent things sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's, it's I'm not saying you got to you got to buy it, but what you and I t- have talked about, and I I still believe this is if if you're having to clear a path. For your prospect to go get ice time and and you're saying that the guy in his way is let's say a bottom six forward and and your prospect can't unseat that bottom six forward why are you sure that they're ready for the nhl or they need to be there like if 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 adam ernie is and and this is no disrespect to adam ernie because i've heard some good things that you know there there might be a little bit more in there than he was able to show and some including from him uh in that role uh, but if Philip Sedina can't beat him for a job, then Philip Sedina should go to Grand Rapids until he can until he can do that. Um, similar deal, like when you're talking about who was the guy that the just there's kind of some Twitter rumblings out of Europe. Uh, that, Pajar, Magnus Pajarvi. Right, Magnus Pajarvi. I'm not 
if I'm if I'm Eiserman, I'm not worried about Magnus Pyarvi stealing Taro Hirose or Evgeny Svechnikov's job because if Taro Hirose or Evgeny Svechnikov can't take a job from someone who didn't know they were coming to camp until mid-August, what's the what's the deal here? You know, like you're you you're not going to be worried about what to do. Um, uh, how to get your prospects ice time. If, if they take jobs, and I don't think they're going to make it overly hard on them to do that, um, but if they can't beat out those jobs, then it's, it's not a question. And if they take them, then you figure out what to do with the other guys later because they're, you know, like like you've alluded to, bottom six forwards, it's not a big deal if you have to wave one. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just bring in the bodies, create some competition. It, you'd like it to raise the level of competitors that you have in the organization. And, uh, and, and if your guys can't take their jobs, then they probably do need more time in the HL. And there is a, there is a point where I stop agreeing with that. And Evgeny Svechnikov would be at that point if it were not for coming off an ACL injury, like I would, he would be at the point where you're like, you have to, you absolutely have to let him have some time in the NHL and see what can happen. Uh, but coming on off an ACL, I don't think you can have that, that thought process because you don't know if he's going to be at 100%, not necessarily health wise, but just like in his groove wise. Um, and so I don't, I don't think there is a single player, uh, who's like in that, in that bubble who you absolutely have to have to have to put in the NHL. And if there was one, it'd probably be Tara Hirose because he's just on that older end of the spectrum. That was a couple minutes of intense clarity that I'm actually going to clip and just play back all season <laughs> every time there's a fight about who's it in grand rapids or who is not and how many games players are getting just to remind people that this does not mean 82 games or zero games and it's absolutely not a like defense of of what has been the, the quote-unquote over ripening argument because i don't think they're the same thing I'm, I'm not saying let them get over ripe i'm just saying are they even ripe if they can't take a job from a bottom six guy and that's 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 the simplest way you can say it. You know exactly, and I think a lot of a lot of fans might be listening and saying, "Oh well, we've been hurt before." Before, but Matt, sure, yeah, maybe like that's a great point. Like a lot of times there was talk of saying what you just said, but then you know Nyquist doesn't get to the league until he's what twenty four or something like that. Right. There's a saying it, and then there's actually you know running your system that way. And I think there's the Eisenman has the um, the history and the pedigree of actually kind of creating that competition and moving players up and making the tough decisions even when they're might maybe not so obvious just to get the right team in front all right so there's going to be a lot of questions regarding you know prospect camp or uh, the tournament sorry and then uh, training camp moving forward uh, max is going to be out in the thick of it in traverse city we're definitely going to keep having him back on uh, that being said the only place to catch max is not on this podcast primarily on the athletic uh, max is uh, graciously put out a ton of tweets showing you how you can subscribe if you don't already, you dummy. Uh, so follow along, along on all the great articles he's putting out over there. Uh, Max, we are going to be, obviously we're ramping back up, so we're going to be chatting plenty soon. Uh, thanks for doing all the hard work for us over in Traverse City. Yeah, no, it'll be a pleasure. And if anyone out there is uh, listening and going to be there, uh, come say hi or, or, or tweet me or something. My my DMs are open. Uh, I'd love to meet as many of the the subscribers and uh, Winged Wheel Pod listeners who are there as possible. So uh, let let hit me up. Awesome. Thanks, Max. Thanks. Welcome back. That was our interview with Max Boltman. It was great to have him back on the show um, again. Like I mentioned, talking to Max about. Uh, Everything that's coming up, seeing all of his articles on the athletic ramp up is a great litmus test for um, the fact that hockey is coming back. 
once you see that content come back, once we see Max start to join the show a little bit more, uh, that means that the offseason is coming down and uh, hockey is ramping back up again. And of course, I'm sure you've seen us be a lot more active on socials, on Patreon and everything. Oh, speaking of Patreon, uh, sorry for blasting your guys' emails. Um, I was uploading the Patreon exclusive RSS feed with all of our exclusive episodes. So if you guys didn't know that was a feature uh, and you want to listen to the Patreon exclusive episodes, if you're a patron, you can get a private custom link and you paste that into whatever your podcast app, uh, whatever podcast app that you use that accepts custom links. And then you'll have a feed of all of our Patreon exclusive episodes. Uh, all right. Some news about the CBA. Let's talk about this, Brad. Um, it was announced that the NHL, uh, not the Players Association, but the league, uh, the deadline passed where there was essentially a clause for them to open up the CBA to expire after um, this next season. So a very quick summary. This is like a pretty big um, generalization or uh, simplification. But just to give you guys a background on it. Um, actually, let me pull up a tweet here that I made so that way that way people went or have an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, The current collective bargaining agreement between the league and the players association uh, expires in 2021 after the 2021, 2022 season. However, either party, the league or the players association um, has, or had now uh, the opportunity to trigger a clause that would have it expire in September of 2020, um, which would mean after this next season. So that, that clause came up first for the NHL just this past week. The NHL basically signaled that the talks were going well. They felt like there was a lot of positive momentum. And, you know, to take it with a grain of salt, they were probably putting a lot of pressure on the Players Association. Uh, This is an optics move as well. Um, They kind of bought into all those things, projected all those things, and let the deadline pass without triggering that clause. So as of now, it's completely on the Players Association. Their deadline is uh, in a couple weeks. Although it's pretty fluid, they can agree to move that deadline if they feel the need to, um, as long as both sides agree. Uh, the Players Association has the same option. If they say that they're not going to exercise that deadline, then the uh, they have essentially an extra year of the CBA to be negotiating. Um, and then more, it's it's much less likely that there's going to be a lockout. I thought it was two years. Two years. Yeah. Two years extended. Yes, because it's uh, it would it would end after the 2021-2022 season. So yeah, two years. All those lockout proof contracts that were signed imagine yeah. it gets delayed two years and all those guys get screwed yeah those owners who are sitting there like uh they don't have to pay out salary all year it's just big chunks at the beginning because of those signing bonuses are like oh well a lot of front costs but other than that um that's huge okay simplest thing here that's huge for hockey because lockouts suck i have a lot of praise for what Bettman has done for this league but one of the biggest and most valid gripes against him is that pretty much every collective bargaining agreement negotiation in the modern era or the modern eras has resulted in missed hockey. Every every single CBA negotiation and um, under Bettman has gone to lockout. Yeah. Everyone without fail. Now, the flip side of that is I think the league is much better for the resulting CBAs. Not the lockouts. I think missed hockey sucks no matter what period, end of statement. But the CBA that resulted improved the game, improved the business, expanded the league, et cetera, et cetera. I think all of that is excellent. Um, it's still not great. And there's hope that this time that they're going to avoid that. The stakes aren't as high, right? Like the current disparity between the league's earnings and the players earning aren't as significant as they were before. It's called a 50, 50 split 
for anyone who wants to read more into escrow and everything, there's a lot of articles out there that can explain it. Because escrow is the big sticking point right now. Yes. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll summarize that in a second. But after you consider escrow fees, everything like that, the players essentially, they don't really get 50%. They come out probably 45, 46%. And escrow is a big sticking point. What escrow is, is essentially a certain amount of a player's salary is withheld arbitrarily um, to offset the need to basically balance how much the league gets in case they underperform. So there's an agreement that the owners get 50% of the cut every every year of whatever hockey revenue is to make sure that um, players don't end up with a much bigger than 50% of the pie if the league underperforms and teams don't earn as much as they're projected to. They withhold part of the player's salaries and then they use it to balance in case the league underperforms. They get it refunded to them eventually if it if that ends up not being needed to kind of balance the scales, but the refund comes much later. Oftentimes they get like pennies on the dollar or, you know, uh, only a certain percentage of what they lost back. And the general concept of money now is worth more than money later by not having that money, you're losing the opportunity to invest it, buy things you want with it, et cetera, et cetera. It's all basic econ. Um, basically players, their dream is to do away with escrow, but that, is a big ask. I think they want to control escrow more than anything. That's a realistic option here. It's all very boring, but it's very valid. Other big points: um, the Olympics, Olympics, which is the, what I'm the point I'm most curious about as to whether or not the players will reopen or not. Because if they don't, the next Olympics fall under this CBA. If I'm not mistaken, yes, 2022. No, yeah. uh, twenty yeah, 2021, 2022. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's February of 2022. So that will be an issue because there'll probably have to be a wink, wink, nudge, nudge deal then, whichever way that's going to go. Um, and yeah, the escrow thing, it doesn't, now we talk, we make the escrow thing sound like a massive deal to the players. It's a big deal, but it's not like a, it's not what it was before in previous lockouts. No, 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 no. This is the least amount of friction we've seen going into CBA negotiations. So we're hoping. That it ends up being positive and resolved. Um, I honestly don't know if I hope they open it or not. Obviously, part of me is, wants to just extend this two years and go by it. But part of me also wants to get the suffering out of the way. So, it, But the, the NHL is at a point right now where they're growing like they never have before. They can't afford to miss time. Under any circumstance, they cannot afford to miss time. Especially, like we're talking about the Olympics in China coming up huge opportunity there seattle coming in shortly because if they extend it by two years seattle will be involved then if i'm the players here's here's the reason i would consider keeping it open for two more years yeah money it's it's the blatantly simple answer but if you extend it by the two years so three years from now is when you're getting the new cba Gambling money, Seattle money, new TV deal is all involved then. That's yeah. all on the table. You have hard numbers. You know what you're playing with, whereas right now you're projecting. Yeah. New TV deal is actually huge. Like, we're not going to talk about a rise in the cap like you saw in the NBA, but um, I, we had a Patreon comment a while back that actually kind of outlined a really good detail of all of that. The NHL has a very unique opportunity to capitalize on diversifying their TV deal, bringing mm-hmm. in money from different sources. And really, anytime there's a new deal, you're adjusting for what you know, any market growth that you've had. The NHL is bigger now than when they signed the last deal. They're going to get more money. The Seattle thing that you brought up is huge. You're going to bring a team into the league. You want to give them every single chance to be successful. And how are you going to tell those hockey fans, oh, 
you're please pay to see this NHL team. By the way, the NHL isn't running right now. Yeah, you get one season and then we'll see in three years. Yeah, like. that's a grand opening and then your store closes for renovations for six months unexpectedly, right? Like yeah. you don't want that. Um, that being said, I think it's less of a risk with Seattle than say if it was Vegas because Seattle has is a much more traditional hockey market than Vegas was. Um, but with the resounding su- success that Vegas was, the league does not want to miss out on um, Seattle money. Yeah. Uh, another point with the players that they brought up was they don't see the expansion money that doesn't go to them. The league's counter to that is, well, we just created like 43 permanent roster spots with these two expansion teams. So that's huge for the players. And that's a fair point. You created more jobs, but they didn't see the, what is it? Over a billion dollars in expansion money. Yeah. Cause well, again, if you just want to do basic math, well, how much money will this drive to the players? Well, assuming both teams are cap teams, like yeah. they spend right to the cap sake of simple math. Let's say the cap goes up to 90 million soon with all the new money coming in. Cool. The players are now getting allocated 180 million extra dollars because that's how much will be going to the players. That does not equal a billion. No. Um, it's, it's complicated. The question that I, am asking as a hockey fan, but I maybe am scared to ask myself or you, Brad, is if it comes down to it and the players have an option to prioritize escrow, so their money, or the Olympics, they're going to select their money, right? A hundred and ten percent. There's a very... I'm not trying to fear monger. I'm not trying to say this is likely, but depending on how aggressive... Or how you know nasty these nego- negotiations get, and we've seen them get nasty. There's a very real chance that we see the Olympics go by the wayside here because the NHL understands how big of a bargaining chip that is with the fans, and they will use that to leverage a lot out of the players. And there might be a point where Donald Fair, the the head of the NHL Players Association, says, "Guys, the sentiment is nice; it's good for the fans, but we have to look out for our employees, which is you. Your financial interests have to be countered here. We have to drop the Olympics thing." So as fans, as, as a fan, you know, I'm, I'm thinking emotionally here. That's one thing that I'm worried about, but it's a very fluid situation. Not to be too, too doom and gloom. This is the first time we've had this much optimism. It's worth noting that every report that's come out about the CBA negotiations so far has been positive. Yeah. Now, this is all relative comparative to the last couple mm-hmm. so which is like saying which of the three fires burned down the least yeah but it's still a positive we have to take it as a positive i'm a pessimist by nature so i'm gonna assume this is gonna go sideways until it doesn't if you're a pessimist by nature what am i <laughs> um i'm as, i'm honestly essentially like what's his name gilgamesh like i'm satan if you're a pessimist like i am just i am sorrow incarnate i'm essentially the venom of this podcast you are the physical embodiment of anxiety. Uh, I'm more like morbid acceptance. Yeah, that's sure. I don't get anxious a lot. I just kind of laugh and say, ah, if I die, I die. This is true. It actually throws people. I have to stop making that joke. It, it, it's very uncomfortable for people. <laughs> as little, long as you put down the knife, Ryan. I never do it while holding knife. Oh, that's actually a very aggressive lie. I did it just the other day with a big <laughs> chef's knife in my hand. <laughs> Uh, but only Mel was around. Fair enough. And I didn't point it at her. Yeah. So pessimist by nature, but everything that's been coming out is optimism. Yes. But again, until it's anything set in stone, I'm not trusting either of these parties because you can talk about owners or players as they are as people. It doesn't matter. These are two businesses competing for money. Yeah. And that is always 
the powder keg ready to blow. And it just takes one spark, one thing. I know the one, which agent was it? Alan Walsh mm-hmm. was on Twitter just putting the league on blast. As uh, he does. As, which isn't uncommon for him, but it was even seemed to touch aggressive for him. Um, I haven't seen too much outside of him on the very. Yeah. So he's not exactly a good indicator for like overall consensus feelings. He's always going to be on that one side of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, usually you see a little bit more gamesmanship, a little bit more playing of the media at this point from the players association and the league. There have been a couple articles. Who was it on, on Boston? Was it Krejci or no, Maybe it was someone on San Jose. Vlasic. It was yes, Vlasic Mark Edward Vlasic kind yeah. of put everybody on notice that the players, that some of the players weren't happy. Yes. Uh, he was the biggest one about it. He hates escrow. Yeah. Um, and that was interesting. And he said, he's like, I understand. I'm not as hurt by this because I'm, I've been, I'll be in the league after I've been in the league a long time before this. I'm secure financially. He's like, I know the guys who are making like 750,000 don't love this because they're not secure. He's like, but at this sometime, at some point, the players have to stand up for themselves. So I think that was still a very heavy hit. Like he, they found someone on the very aggressive side of that spectrum. But he's no small player. He's no small voice in this process. Um, if there's at least some kind of a sentiment from bigger players and bigger contracts saying this, then it's definitely not going to be easy breezy. We're on very delicate ground right now. Yeah, at least we don't have a Vander Kane doing money push-ups throughout these negotiations. You know what? I love it. I know Evander Kane is... I would love that if it was any time but during a lockout. (laughs) That was the only part that got me. If if you're a wealthy athlete and you want to go on top of the Eiffel Tower and literally piss money over the edge, go for it, buddy. But not while millionaires are fighting billionaires and there are people below you losing their jobs and are laid off. I'm about to like uh, get up to go get that bottle of water. But I just want to say one thing. Are you saying you don't love Money Phone? Because Money Phone was a hilarious picture. Money Phone is always a good time. Except during a lockout when the people who work for the team that you play for are laid off because the negotiations have left them without a job. That's the thing people forget about lockouts. We as hockey fans get irritated because we don't have hockey the millionaires and the billionaires the players and the league get irritated because they're not getting getting their millions and their billions but there are people stuck in the middle employees of the teams employees of the whatever agencies that deal with everything who are out of work during this it's just not like oh great we can wait this out because i've got six figures in the bank it's like no i make fifty five thousand dollars a year working for the team i need this job and that's what gets me about money phone. If he had did that a year later, a plus joke. Love it. Timing is everything. What just happened? I'm usually the one to spoil the fun, Brad. I'm all for the fun. As I'll repeat, timing is everything. If the NHL play PA decides by September 15th to let's extend the, the, CBA two more years and Evander Kane wants to go with the next day with money phone. If he wants to build a money fort, <laughs> do it, buddy. I'm here for you. I'll come over and help you build it. And I promise I won't even steal a dollar. But if they don't, I better not see a money fort. <laughs> this, the, the title of this episode will be something CBA related. 
but I really wish we could have done Money Fort. We can definitely do Money Fort. Why can't we do Money Fort? We got to make it out at least a little bit. <laughs> a little bit explanatory. People are going to be clicking going, Money Fort? What the hell did they talk about? <laughs> Evander Kane's Money Fort. <laughs> what? He did, what did he do? To nothing. What did it's he a, do now? It's a hypothetical. We still love him. Uh, yeah, there's going to be plenty of CBA talk. Um, I hope not. I really hope not. I during the last lockout, I learned way more about the CBA than I ever cared to know because it's all we saw on Sportsnet and TSN every day for six effing months. Speaking of Sportsnet, um, there have been a lot of departures from Sportsnet. Uh, Nick Kiprios, um, Doug McLean, John Shannon. Shannon. Yeah, um, we're we're not going to dive too much into that. These are guys; like, these are their careers, um, and it doesn't matter what our you know, opinions are on their hockey takes. Like you never want to see someone out of their job. Um, you know, you want to hope that they land on their feet, but some people ask for some background. Um, and this does relate to actually to the TV deal. So Sportsnet essentially won the, uh, TV rights in Canada for the NHL way, or however many years ago now. Um, and it cost them, what was it? $12 billion. And that was, it cost them several money forts. Yes, a lot of money forts. Uh, and they that, could have built a money castle. That was a lot for Canadian media rights. Like that, that was an insane amount of money. And they had to pour a lot of money into making sure that they could back up this product. And at this point, like I'm by no means any expert, but it's just they have to cut costs because it's that deal costs them a lot of money. And so they're just cutting, they're like, whenever you see big names go like that, they're cutting costs. That's all it is. And not one Canadian team made it past the first round of the playoffs this year? That's bad for Bitcoin. That did that did them no favors. That is bad for Canadian Bitcoin. We're expanding the bit. It's Coin. like real Bitcoin, but maple. Stupid. Stupid, Brad. I was going to go in a different direction with that, and then I abandoned ship. Yeah. I'm glad you did, but still, even by my standards, Brad, stupid. Yeah, um, we chatted with Matt the, or Matt Max. The last thing I want to talk to you about is um, what we talk, what I talked with Max about, which is Evgeny Svechnikov. What will it take, do you think, for him in terms of a training camp in a preseason to absolutely, definitely have to make this team, and what will the result be in terms of who's bounced out? A bionic knee, and literally anybody, right? Because it's. At this point, there's no way he's going to be able to hit the ice, you know, full steam ahead, considering how long he's been away from the game. And even if he does, that concern is going to be in the back of their minds. Do we want to push that knee that far this fast? I think, yeah, without saying too much one way or the other definitively, because you guys will definitely pull it up and throw it back at us and say, why did you have this take? Um I would guess that he's one that they wouldn't mind starting out in Grand Rapids to start and just waiting for an injury. Or they're not going to play him, you know, 41 consecutive NHL games to start the season. So my my actual answer, everything I said still applies, but to a lesser extent. What's it going to take Svechnikov to be on the opening night roster? A 9 out of 10 quality training camp in preseason and a minimum of two injuries at forward. Mm-hmm. That was my... That was my like, uh, obviously... A very good training camp, like one that you would expect, like, like much what Valeno has to have. Helm and Ernie go down. Yeah. Okay. I could see it. Yes. That's exactly what has to happen. Just like a couple injuries into bottom six guys. I don't really think. Well, I mean, even just like a second line player. I haven't listened yet. Did you and Max talk about speaking of bottom uh, bottom line unskilled wingers? Uh, did you guys talk about the PRV rumor? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. 
Anything I, to that? No, I think that's I, – I legitimately think that's just the, the bringing veteran bodies to camp. You know how they're – But he is coming? Because uh, it was his dad who just mentioned it in passing in an interview, so I'm – Nothing concrete yet. Okay. No. I think if we might see an announcement, it's probably just a PT make that illusion, and you just go for it. Be faster. Uh, someone tweeted out like uh, something very supportive of us the other day, and why would anybody do that? I I misread it. It's <laughs> you're gonna like this, Brad, and then you're gonna laugh at me. Um, it was saying like, "Hey, love the pod. Listen every week. Like, love the work that you guys do. Keep at it." Personally, in my opinion, I think Brad has the best takes, and then it said. Ryan, Evan, uh, you guys seem cool, or you seem cool, but you just don't really have, uh, just doesn't seem like you have an original opinion. And I looked at that, I went, that is the first person in history to think I'm not opinionated enough. <laughs> I was like, we, I was like, I think it, it makes sense for people who like care to think that way align with like either you or myself. Cause on the, like the, we overlap 85%. Yeah. On the 15% that we differ, it's two different schools of thought. And so people are going to align one way or another. But I was like, to say I don't have an opinion, I was like, I talk way too much for that. And then I was just like, I don't get it. What, like, what, how could that possibly be? And then I went and looked at the tweet and I misread the punctuation. It said, I think Brad has the best takes. Sorry, Ryan, period. And then it said, Evan, comma, you seem cool, but you don't ha- really have an original opinion. And I went, oh, okay. They're just ripping on Evan. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Oh, the th- the reason we get Evan, we constantly yell at Evan to talk more is because he's actually hysterical. He's the funniest out of all of us. And yeah, Brad and I will just ramble on and on and on about hockey takes. But Evan will just like be looking down at his phone, playing Clash of Can- Clans, look up and go, oh, you guys forgot about this important aspect of this topic you're talking about. And, but uh, say it in a way where it just makes us look stupid and yeah. everybody laughs. And I'm just like, you got to bring that up more, buddy. You were a, you're, he's pretty much Aaron Judge who just never swings at the ball. <laughs> right? Like he's Aaron Judge with way too much plate discipline. Yes. So, or he's Aaron Judge who forgets his turn to bat. Yeah. Actually, that's more it. <laughs> Cause Aaron, yeah, Judge, the walkout music's playing and he's just sitting in the dugout putting more pine tar on his bat. Pretty much. He's just like spitting sunflower seeds as quickly as he can. Oh, by the way, congratulations, Justin Verlander on no hitting the Toronto Blue Jays. Which actually is an accomplishment lately because they've got some guys who can bang. I so I was at I was in Toronto. I went to the Rogers Center or the Sky Dome as I prefer to call it. Um, they beat Houston. I was I missed it by a day. I would smack this table if it wasn't made of glass. Um, they who's that? Who's the guy who leads off for the Jays? Yeah, the Bo, Bo That kid's good. Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, and Vladdy Jr. Buddy, that is Jay's a, infield for the next 10 years. That is a good lineup. Also, Bo Bichette is an awesome name, just for the obvious reasons. Bono's baseball. Stop. Flo Bichette. Did you see that hair? That's hilarious. Flo Bichette is a, a hilarious name. Yeah, buddy. Boba Fett, obviously, is the crossover people are going to do the most, most, but Flo Bichette is hilarious. Anyways, that is our um, annual allocation of Jay's baseball talk. You're welcome, Brad. Don't try to bring it up again. I d- have you seen the team this year? I don't want to. No, no. Um, okay. Do you want to just get to overtime? Yeah, because if you factor in uh, the Max interview, Ryan, we're already over an hour. <gasps> Are we that far? Well, oh, yeah. we're close. 
All right, let's get to overtime. I don't know exactly how long the interview was with you and Max, so I'm kind of spitballing here. Six hours. People have already listened to it, Ryan. You can't make that joke. The interview lasted for 40 years. Um, we're going to get to uh, Patreon, where all of the our Patreon supporters' comments are read on air, guaranteed. As our way of saying, thank you for supporting the show. Uh, guys, I cannot emphasize enough how much these patrons mean to us. When we decided to scale up YouTube content, we had a lot of things that we had to invest in to start software, hardware, like the camera that we're using right now to record with, that is not possible without these guys. This entire podcast and its growth into what it is now is not possible without Patreon supporters. I genuinely mean it when I say we love you. I really do. Uh, Kaylin Wood says, uh, World of Warcraft Classic is out and it's 2004 again. What's your favorite wing player and who's your favorite non-wing player in 2004? Uh, In 2004? Favorite Red Wing in 2004 is, hold on, I have to, I'm trying to. Like, I know who my favorite Red Wing is, I just want to make sure my favorite non-Red Wing was still playing then. Yeah, I have to look up. Because that was right around when he retired. Uh, Favorite Red Wing in 2004 is my favorite player of all time, which is Brendan Shanahan. My favorite Red Wing in 2004 is my favorite player of all time, and that's Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman, yeah. I'm trying to think of my favorite non-Red Wing in 2004. I'm just making sure he was still playing in... Mm. Uh, 2004 because I have a very nope he retired in 2003 I can't go with Pavel Bure he retired in 2003 yep that seems later Bure was like is far and away my favorite non-Red Wing of all time Uh, okay so I gotta remember who is still playing in 2004 that wasn't a Red Wing do you want me to read hold on 0304 scoring leaders St. Louis Kovalchuk Sakic Nasland Hosa Eliash Alfredson Corey Stillman had 80 points that year Good for him. Yeah. Uh, Milan Hayduke, Mark Recchi, Army Auger. Nothing ringing a bell for you? Paul Correa. That was my answer. Paul Correa. There's my answer. I also had a... I, I did have a soft spot um, for Milan Hayduke as well. Hedge Duck? Hedge Duck. Yeah. I thought he was cool. I also had a really cool hockey card of him when I was growing up, so that's why I, I liked him. Uh, thanks, guys. Love the addition of the Patreon Discord as well. You non-patrons need to rethink your life choices. Just Josh and love you all the same. Yeah, so what Kaylin is talking about, uh, we made Discord a Patreon-exclusive um, basically platform for us to chat passively. So we still answer questions. We still answer tweets, but we have different channels like epi- like podcast discussion general hockey talk completely off topic stuff there's a complete spider thread going on right now to my dismay i haven't looked i haven't had time to look at it in like three days um evan set up a bot that will automatically upload when we're doing live streams which is um very awesome so yeah that's something that we give to all patrons if you're a patron and you want to join uh and the discord link has expired uh, i'll keep updating it but just shoot me a dm or a message and uh, i'll send you a new one uh, andrew dubio says well guys it seems as though my honeymoon has been extended on the cruise in the caribbean by three more days due to hurricane dorian at absolutely no extra cost uh they even added two more ports to our itinerary unfortunately i missing the first hockey practice of the summer for the 12U travel team I'm an assistant for. My question for uh, you all is what's what's the luckiest thing that's happened to you? First of all, Mel and I were actually just talking about this because we have a like we have a cruise in November and so we're just kind of interested in what happens in the situation. Pretty sweet deal for you and the fact that you don't have to worry too much. Well, the missed hockey practice isn't good. What's the luckiest you've been? Um, stereotypical answer, but it didn't take us long to conceive Mika. She came out without colic. <laughs> Learn. That joke works on both fronts, and that was very intentional before you try anything there. Um, we got lucky in this set for the purpose of this. It didn't take months and months and months. 
Uh, she came out without colic, uh, fully healthy, and oh. trained well and slept well early. That is, like we hit the absolute million dollar jackpot with her. And uh, with Little Man coming in a couple months, I am absolutely not expecting lightning to strike twice. Uh, we okay. are screwed. Vacation-wise, I once took a travel voucher to move back on a flight that ended up turning into 1300 Canadian dollars worth of free flights for me. It lasted me like two years. Dope. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I'm going to get corny here. I'm like, the the guys that I met up with and started this podcast with, this is like... <laughs> That's the worst answer ever. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's a sad life. No, like... The just this whole podcast doing this is I was talking about the progression and doing this to start was a hobby and then it turned into a hobby that with some momentum and it was getting to be more fun and then it was like we're investing a lot of time in this is this worth it and then all of a sudden bang and now is, we're investing a lot of money in this. and now we're investing time and money but it's like legitimately part of our lives and I count myself lucky to be able to do this at least even like on the side to be doing talking hockey and talking Red Wings with you guys. Yeah, that's that's what's lucky. Cross I'm, fingers full time eventually. Cross fingers, guys. Thank you. Please patrons. support our Patreon. Uh, <laughs> Russ Parsons says, have you guys ever uh, been in a 31 team dynasty league before? If not, what type of different fantasy leagues have you been a part of? Oh, 31 team dynasty league. No, that sounds intense. Uh, no, I don't do fantasy sports other than the yearly WWP. One. Yeah. We have a winged wheel podcast, hockey fantasy league. Uh, Evan is the organizer of that. So tweet at hockey town, Evan for details. Um, I have a long running fantasy football league. This is our eighth year with my friends. Um, there's, it's hopeless. There's no point in even trying any given year. What's the, what's the point? I've only won once the two best teams of all time. In my opinion, were mine and I lost in the semifinals. It's stupid. Fantasy sports are stupid and I'll keep playing them. Uh, Liz Barbudo says, what do you think the likelihood of Erickson being too hurt to play this season is? I thought there was some talk at the end of last season that it was questionable if he'd be healthy enough to play this year. Obviously, having him on LTIR would help the logjam on the back end. It's a good point. Um, I think this is going to be an important year for him in terms like, sorry, important year relative to where he is in his career. I think a big entry will put him on LTIR. I don't think it's he's going to start the season out. We'll see how camp goes. They're pretty hush-hush right now in terms of what's coming out of the team. Didn't Dom in his season preview for the Red Wings mention that statistically Jonathan Erickson was worth the least amount of wins in the entire NHL? Yeah, I didn't want to talk about that this episode. That was depressing. I, I knew I went in knowing it was going to be bad. It was worse than I thought, and I disagreed with nothing he said, which was even made it even worse. And I'm like, wow, so I wasn't wrong. I just didn't scale this up properly. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Connor Jager says, hey, boys, can't believe it's already September. Summer content has been tremendous and has definitely helped this summer fly by. Thank you. Uh, with the Prospects Tournament next weekend, what Red Wing and non-Red Wing are you most excited to watch? I think the obvious answers here for that that tournament specifically are Mort Cider and Capo Caco. Yeah, uh, Caco for me, I'm actually going to flip that and say Zudina. Very excited for Cider. I'm very excited to see what a, this offseason brings for Zadina, or this new season brings for Zadina. Uh, also, excluding hockey, if you could be a professional athlete, what sport would you play in what position? Ooh, my next favorite sport is football, but I would not want to play that professionally no. because death. Um, if we're excluding things like golf and tennis, I'd say baseball and I'd play first base. Uh, give me baseball. Give me shortstop. Shortstop. I think I, I'm like looking for the lowest impact on my body here. Highest earning potential, lowest impact on my body. Oh, I will shortstop. Like baseball is not impact on your body unless you're a catcher. Um, so I don't know. Shortstop keeps me entertained. I don't find that position overly boring. And 
Yeah. They can't take you out of the lineup and, you know, maybe hit some dingers. Uh, keep grinding, boys. Hockey's almost back. Arjun Shanker. <laughs> so for context for this, we put out the um, our Patreon exclusive episode that we recorded a little while back, which was the ranking jerseys. But it wasn't our individual rankings. It was like combining yeah. me, Brad, and Evans, which made for some funny rankings. And <laughs> Dude, I was reading through the comments on that. Nobody agrees on anything. No. We are definitely expanding the series. We are doing way more of these. Because people, like, we'd have a jersey in, like, to hit elite or great, and people are like, oh, God, my eyes. And we'd have them in bad or whatever. And they're like, those jerseys are elite. What's wrong with you? And yet they would argue amongst themselves. Uh, Arjun Shanker says, you guys are out of your damn minds if you're going to rank Columbus's third as bad. For the record, I thought they were good. Uh, meanwhile, you have They're Nash- passable at best. They're Boring. Ne- meanwhile, unoriginal you have garbage. Nashville's home, which looks like a long sleeve yellow shirt someone was wearing when they found themselves waist deep in a swamp, is good. Whatever the furk you turd monsters are smoking needs to be quarantined because clearly it made you blind like some freaking bathtub moonshine. I just saw, I saw the graphic for how you rated the jerseys and I was so mad I just deleted the episode off my hard drive. I didn't want to risk accidentally listening to it because whatever train of thought you used to get to that final result would have certainly killed off enough of my brain cells that I might have thought you guys knew what you're talking about. I'm still angry about where the Rangers finished. I'm not going to lie. That, still uh, that is what that is my biggest regret is not coming to my senses sooner. Although I still think Rangers should have been swapped with Vegas. Vegas anyways, anyways, Rangers. anyways, we'll save it. Elite. We'll Both. save it. Ryan, it's not one or the other. We'll save it. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, but that's a lie. I'm very mad. And you guys are dumb and did a bad thing and you should be ashamed. Arjun, well-deserved. Thank you for telling Brad. And what do you mean? Well-deserved. I will fight you, Arjun. Uh, Don Mitchell. Says, we need to, he needs to win another ticket so I can come down and fight him. He's going to come down just to punch you in the throat. I'm, I'm here for it, Arjun. Let's go, buddy. Arjun, I'll hold him back. Uh, Don Mitchell says, what's up, dud duds? Wow, that's spreading, eh? Um, <laughs> after Montreal leaked their own draft order list, they released another gem of a draft day video where 95% of the video was blurred out. Goes right in the, oh, God, my eyes tear. Have you all seen the video? Discuss. No. Yeah, they um they accidentally released their their draft list and they're claiming that it wasn't their draft list, but it's definitely ranking is on a board. It might not have been their final draft list, but it was interesting. Um, we'll chat about that in a future episode. Uh, what's the story behind why Paul Coffey isn't a fan of Detroit? Also, what's the story on the falling out with Eisman and Chris Illich? Thanks again for the content. You're killing it with the nothing burger that is this offseason. Cheers, Don. Uh, I legitimately don't know about either of those things. The Illich and Detroit or an Eisman thing is unsubstantiated i'd say it's kind of just been like a murmur it was essentially when eisenman was being built up he was the assistant gm to ken holland for a long time he wanted to step into a gm role he basically stayed with the team longer than he would have in anticipation of eventually stepping into the gm role um when it came time and eisenman essentially his contract was up and he basically was like if i don't take this i have to be a gm somewhere else um the red wings reportedly had attempted to make him GM and asked Holland to step down, step into essentially like what happened this past offseason, had that happen however many years sooner, like seven years sooner, six years sooner. And um, Holland very obviously um, refused, wanted to stay on as GM. And um, uh, it's reported by some people. I don't know how true this is. I wouldn't put too much stock into it. Eisenman, you know, left disappointed. And I'll leave. Like, I, I think that's as much as you can say about it. Uh, Paul Coffey in Detroit. I actually have no idea. I'm going to look into that. All right. Justin Klinsky says, screw, Mary kill. Rowan, Steve Dangle, and Max Boltman. 
Well, I think I my default answer is I definitely have to kill Rowan. We have to kill Rowan because if he we don't, he'll kill us. Yeah. Uh, I'd marry Max. He seems the most level-headed. And I think Steve would be a wild lay. He's the most passionate yeah. of the group. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's going to be a clip, isn't it? <laughs> Steve, you're going to get tagged in a lot of Twitter posts. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mrs. Dangle. I'm very sorry. You shouldn't be threatened. <laughs> uh, we're sorry, SL. Uh, Kyle Thomas says, hey, guys, I have an odd question. What happens to all the hats thrown on the ice for a hat trick? Do they throw them away or put them in a lost and found pile? If you're wearing your favorite hat to a game, do you throw it out on a hat trick? I really enjoy your show. Thanks, guys. Uh, I think that there was actually a list released a year or so ago, but yeah. what every team does with it. The, the short answer, the majority of the teams donate them. Yes. Uh, a lot of teams donate them. Some teams do them do something where they uh, like frame a hat, like they pick one hat. A lot of the teams used to or are now getting away from, they like would throw them out for hygiene reasons, but pretty much, yeah, they donate them. Yeah, um, rinse them in bleach or something and donate them. If you, uh, I'm, this might be heresy, but if you're at a game and you have a hat that you really love and it, like hats are expensive, like apparel is expensive, um, you don't have to throw it. Don't worry. You don't have to, but or you could do what I do strategically, and I don't wear hats to the game. Yes, um, never an issue. And because it came up a few home openers ago, we were at the Mike Green hat trick, and I yeah. didn't have a hat with me. So thank, thankfully, it wasn't a decision I had to make. If you guys find yourself going to a lot of games, bring a sh- like a crappy hat, like just tuck it in. Yeah, like one that you literally will fold in your pocket. Um, don't throw toques. Doesn't have the same appeal, and toques are useful in the winter. Yeah. Uh, Craig Kibble says, "What's up?" Oh, Craig, are you a new patron? New patron, Craig. Thank you so much for your support. He says, "What's up, dudes? Been a long time listener, four plus years. Finally decided it was time to start helping out around here. I feel like there's not nearly enough food and wiping directions during this off season. That being said, with summer winding down, what are your go-to condiments for a hot dog? If you guys are ever in Ferndale area before a game, check out Imperial, some of the best food in the area. Thanks for everything you do, guys. It's a blast seeing this thing blow up. Thank you, Craig. Okay, hold on." I need context here. Are we talking we're just throwing a shitty hot dog, uh, Oscar Mayer hot dog on the barbecue? Or are we talking like we're building a proper hot dog here? And we've invested some money in a... Someone bring... You're at a barbecue, you have a hot dog in your hand, and you have whatever condiment you want. Okay, because if I've got like a good Good sausage or hot dog, the answer is like sauerkraut, and that's the end of the list. Oh my god, I've never wanted to kiss you so bad in my life. Sauerkraut's the only answer here. If you have a good hot dog that's juicy and a good bun all you need is sauerkraut that's it that's the end of the list now if we're talking like shitty oscar meyer hot dog then i just go for the traditional ketchup and mustard um i i'm not a big like no ketchup on hot dogs person but i usually go still sauerkraut and mustard i can hear hot peppers or onions as well dude hot peppers on the right sausage with sauerkraut Mm. yeah Oh, mm. man. Is this the first food take we've not? <laughs> I think it's the first <laughs> one we've agreed on. Uh, Joseph Fournier says, hey, fellas, tomorrow's my birthday. So you're obligated uh, out of enduring love and respect to wish me a happy 37th birthday. Happy September. Happy 37th, you old cheese bag. Happy 37th. You're despite 37 years on this earth, you are still the freshest of cheese bags, Joseph. Uh, now, I knew this was coming. It's been brewing for a while. With great power comes great responsibility, and I may have abused mine and let down the citizens of the world. Here it is, the cold hard truth. Stay fresh, cheese bags is my sign-off, mine. Rowan even credits me, a Fournier company. No, I don't own the cheese bags brand, but the sign-off is mine. Oh, by the way, someone's got to start that GoFundMe for Rowan to get to the home opener. 
uh, we want to see him there within the next after, couple of years. After that fuck Mary Kill question, I no, I I don't know Rowan coming. That's dicey. Maybe. Do you think he's do you, okay? Here's a question, Rowan. Let's meet in international waters. Okay. Do you think the fact that we chose to kill him would be the answer he'd be the least offended by? I think that's the answer he would want him most. It's okay. out of respect for killing him. There we go. Okay, yeah. I just want to be sure. Um, so stay fresh, cheese bags. See at Founders in October. Looking forward to seeing Ryan again and actually meeting Brad and Evan and finding out that Max Boltman is actually three raccoons in a trench coat. <laughs> Their names, Ryan, Brad, and you guessed it, Ryan again, holding the puppet of a raccoon. <laughs> Is it possible that Eisenman knows that the younger players... Are you going to throw a hockey question in there? <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> Is it possible that Eisenman knows that the younger players are better than the veterans clinging on and the efforts to bring in Philpula and Nemeth, avoid buyouts, and keep the glut of bottom six forwards intact is his method of tanking again? Yeah, that's my tinfoil hat theory. I believe it 35% of the time. Uh, Matt Platts, also sheltering young guys. You don't want to expose them to bad hockey too much early on. Uh, Matt Platts says Calder Trophy prediction. Um, uh, Capo Caco is the obvious answer here. Um, I'm going to make a very, very strong case, though, when we do our preseason award predictions for Kale McCarr. I was just going to say Kale McCarr! Be faster, Ryan! I let you talk first! (laughs) Damn it! Uh, outside chances, like, but still reasonable. Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes. Jack Quinn, Hughes. Quinn Hughes. Imagine they both get nominated. Oh, that'd be cool. Jack Hughes, Quinn Hughes, Philip Zadina. <laughs> yeah, it would be Philip Zadina. Because if Zadina makes a team, it'll be on, he'll be getting power play time and hopefully on a scoring line. So Zadina would have to play more than 60 games, obviously. I think if he makes a team out of camp, he will. I don't think they'll send him down mid season, but I don't. I'm starting to lean. I don't think he makes the team out of camp. So, uh, Rowan says, good day, dud dud. Super happy someone used that last ep- at last episode as well. Um, I know you're supposedly a hockey talkie show, but I'm railroading you back to rugby. Uh, what a weekend we've had in the hoax nation of Australia with the mighty Sydney Harlequins taking out all three grand finals. Heck me, lads. I've been smashing tinnies since Saturday, Arvo. And backed up for Silly Sunday on about five hours sleep. Those first few Sunday beers went up, went down like rusty nails. Anyways, today's a massive struggle, and thank God I took it off work. When you need a liver and kidney transplant after a 36-hour bender, you can rely on Stay Fresh Cheese Bags to keep your black market organs free of harmful bacteria. Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, the organ harvester's choice into Fournier Company. Okay, back to slowly dying on the couch, two cactus for jersey time this week. How can you watch any rugby after the Sydney Bears completed one of the greatest hockey upsets in uh, hockey history? What? Why are we getting away from the fact, the very real question of what the hell did I just read? What words did I just say? You, I know, no- you know who typed it? I, the fact you're caught off guard even a little bit there is surprising to me. It's Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get some Reddit questions. Gordy, how are you doing? Says, uh, no question this week, but a comment. I became a patron last week and put my bank account on, and my bank put a hold on my card for a suspicious purchase. I found the next morning when I tried to, to buy a cute girl this cup of coffee and it got declined. Thankfully, I had my credit card on me and the issue was resolved and it only looked, I only looked like half a broke ass. <laughs> Sorry, man. We usually try to improve your game, not ruin it. We owe you a coffee and a date with one of us. It's Evan. <laughs> Oh, we have an OSBP question or comment. He says, oh, man, uh, this is a quote. Oh, man, only small black penis. Where have you been? Says Ryan sheepishly, sheepishly as I break into his house in the early morning, armed with a knife and immense hunger for cereal. Like you care, I respond. Now sit the furk down. 
Ryan, possessing the composure of a hamster delivering newborns in a furnace, tries to remain calm. I move to shake his hand, but instead pull a fast one and tie his hands behind the chair and begin to shave his pathetic beard. Okay, hold on. What sort of fan fiction... This might BDSM be BDSM bullshit. Are we reading right this now? This might be the most sexual podcast we've had yet. Uh, <laughs> no, stop. He cries like a child, but it's already too late. I have given him a new look and eaten all of his cereal. I escape through a window, a vigilante trying to keep these three idiots humble and remember their roots. I am the smallest, blackest penis. <laughs> I can't believe you just made me read that out. Always a good time for OSPP. Uh, Pat, uh, Chulist, Pat, or uh, Pat Truly Stink? Might be saying that wrong. Oh, uh, it says, I became a new a new listener uh, before the 2019 NHL draft. Cider, what a surprise, although I'm okay with the pick. Really enjoying the podcast. Great job. Thank you so much for joining, and thank you for listening. Uh, my question slash topic of the discussion would be, what current players slash prospects could you see Eisenman trading? For fun, I'm interested in the discussion around a bold slash surprising trade. Okay, so prospect, which, I mean, the obvious answer is if, um, Eisman's angling for a big piece. He'd probably have to give up Zadina or Valeno if we're like really swinging for the fences here. Uh, on a more realistic note, I could see Rasmussen drawing some attention. Uh, wouldn't get enough of a return to justify a trade, but I could see it. Uh, also, McIsaac, I think, would draw a lot of interest in terms of a being a, a somewhat key piece of a decent trade uh, that Eisman would be willing to part with. Because we're I, talking surprising trade, but still like huge Athenasiu. Maybe a, a huge Athenasiu package. It's not likely. Our most sexual episode ever. Yarvik <laughs> <laughs> uh, 7 says, There's our title, huge Athenasiu package. <laughs> nothing much to say. Glad to be nearing the end of summer. I'm done with the fun in sun and beach. Now ready for some Red Wings. It's a long holiday weekend in the States, Canada too. Uh, and the Red Cross says blood banks are low. So remember to give blood and play hockey. Often one gives uh, to the other. So get on the ice. Uh, the Magic Man 1343 says, I kind of wanted to make a fun little thing for my comment. Let's say you could put together the perfect Red Wing by taking one asset of any Red Wing in history and giving it to said player. Uh, for the sake of simplicity, let's make it so we can only use four words. For example, I would want my player to have Datsu's hands and Holmstrom's complete, compete level. Here's a few skills to choose. You can only use a single player once. So we're, we can only use four words for this. Okay. Skating, Darren Helm. No. Athens. Larkin. No, Larkin. Prime Helm over Prime... Uh, prime Larking because he's a he better... He can do more, yeah, lat yeah. Better lateral skater. Hands, Datsuk, that's not even a question. Yep. 100% Shot. Forward? forward? Yeah. Fronten. This one's... Dude, no, this is obvious answer, man. Brett Hall. Brett Hall. Stupid. Um, any Red Wing in history, that's right, Brett Hall. Hitting? Oh, body checking? Forward? Gordy Howe. Ah, uh, I really kind of want to go Probert here. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Go Pro because there's another one later for Gordy Howe. Uh, defensive play, Chris Draper. Defensive forward? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go. Oh, we can't use Datsuk again. Zetterberg? Yeah, I'm going to go Zetterberg. The shift, yeah. Passing slash vision. Oh, we should have used Zetterberg for that. No. Gordy? No. Gordy's got a lot of things. He was playmaker, wasn't it? Okay, the last things are passing and vision. Leadership and compete level. Leadership has to be Eisman. Le compete will be Gordy. Gordy, yeah. So we just need a passer here. We use that. Federoff. 
Yeah, I was leaning towards Federer. I'm just trying to think if there's like a specialist that we're forgetting because like I'm I'm toying with the idea of Larionov here. I was going to say Larionov comes to mind, but I think the sheer talent of Federov puts him over, and we're insane if we don't have Federov on this list. This is true. I think that's what we have to yeah. go with. Uh, all right, time for how many Twitter questions, Brad? You tell me. Three. Three Twitter questions. I was trying to make you the villain. You know what? You're doing well today, Brad. No, I'm not. <laughs> I know. I just wanted to say it, see your reaction to that. Uh, so we have time for a few Twitter questions. Hashtag ask WWP. There's a reasonable chance I sleep 12 hours tonight. Uh, James Valeno asks, who's your dark horse in the wings this season to play beyond expectations? Okay. So let's just firmly establish that Heronic, Mantha, Athanasiu, Larkin don't count because we all know. We have to think of someone who's a true surprise. Um who it massively exceeds expectations on the Red Wings, but is a dark horse to do so. Okay. Okay. Here's a fun one. Okay. You ready? Okay. Ready? True surprise. Ready? Rasmussen. Uh, he is a massive once, dark horse. Once he, gets, once he gets his niche as a net front guy mastered, he'll take off, even if the rest of his game is still leaves you wanting. But if he can become that effective net front power play guy like they want him to be, it only takes one or two injuries for him to to be a mainstay on the roster again, and they have a guy like Zadina or Green or Hironic or whoever firing bombs regularly, you know, the Red Wings employ a power play that actually shoots the damn puck, mm-hmm. I think Rasmussen could take off. I wouldn't bet on it, but hey, we're going for surprising here, right? Uh, Adam Ernie. Adam Ernie, let's say he comes in, he is a great defensive player like we know he can be, and the expanded role for him, he all of a sudden flourishes offensively. Not likely, but he ends up being a really great contributor, yeah. m- great middle six player. Everything is very cheap. Everything here is, is uh, asterisks. Not likely, but yes. you asked for surprising. Yeah, yeah. So it's happened before where people have clipped out things that we said yeah. under the. Context. I think Rasmus is going to have a huge season, buddy. He scored six goals. They Come on, on, man. They put it on a billboard. <laughs> Uh, All right, with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. I'm going to have to uh, get to editing this video with the new camera. Uh, Again, guys, remember our 1K goal for YouTube. If you uh, want to contribute to this, I challenge you, if you listen to this podcast all the way to the end, help support us, youtube.com slash podcast, and then click subscribe. Oh, and that little notification bell. We're not good as YouTubers, so we don't know what to ask. Likes, you know, smash that subscribe button, like the notification bell. <laughs> I'm going to wrap up. Thank you to our name level sponsors on Patreon. Uh, Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Don Mitchell, Clayton Van Dyke, and Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Mike DiLoretto, Ryan Lewis, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. Guys, the uh, home opener ticket giveaway is coming. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.